I don't know about you, but I'm a, I'm a man of routines. I, I, I like routines. I'm a big fan of routines. And what's weird is when my routines get thrown off, I'm, I'm not right till either I can hit reset and get back to my routine or I can figure out a new routine. I mean, I really, I really like routines. I'm a, I'm a big believer in that. I, probably because, you know, I don't know if y'all notice, I'm just a, slightly on the ADD scale. I don't know if y'all are aware of that or not. So if I don't have routines and structure, I'm the proverbial dog chasing my tail. And occasionally I catch it. And then I have no idea what to do with it once I have it. So I like structure. I like routines. It helps me focus. It helps me know where I'm going. It just helps. I'm, I, like, I like that routine. So I've always joked in my life, with my, you know, my phone is my brain. If, I don't, if, if you tell me to do something or need me to do something, I always, you need to make sure I put it in my phone. Because if I don't put it in my phone, I'm going to forget. Just lock it down. Like if, you t- like, if you come to me before worship and say, hey, Andy, I need you to do something, I'm going to say, okay, cool. It's, it's in Gluckstadt by then or Bogachita or somewhere, but it's not in my brain. That's why I always say, hey, send me an email because I won't forget that. So, but even the busier I've gotten with school and family and church and everything, I've gotten to where sometimes I forget my phone. So I, there's this new crazy new technology. Have y'all heard of it called paper? It's kind of neat, actually. Uh, I don't know if y'all are familiar with it. They, get, they have some stores that even sell it, you know. Um, but I've gotten to where I have a good old-fashioned notebook. And every day, I take my notebook out and I write down the things i got to accomplish. And as I get something done, I check it off or mark it off or whatever. And at the end of the day, I'm left with what I hadn't done. And usually the what I hadn't done is typically about as long as what I have done. And the next day, when I go to work, get in my office, I take my notebook out and I shift over to the next day the things that I have not yet done. Because I got tired of feeling like I wouldn't accomplish anything. So I got my little notebook here because I'd gotten so busy, gotten so busy doing stuff, that I didn't feel like I was getting anything done. My last church, Asbury, used to get nervous. Anytime I brought out a bar stool to preach on, that, that, that church had a real open, real, real wide stage, and they, people always like to sit further in the back. They said, if you sit too close, it was like watching a tennis match. You were just watching me the entire time. You didn't know where I was going. And so everybody said their necks hurt if they sat too close to the church, or too close to the front. It just kind of made them nervous. So it always made folks nervous when I got out of bar stool and just talked to you. Dave Ramsey, I, I like some of his stuff. Dave Ramsey says every family should have every so often a good sit-down, face-to-face, knee-to-knee conversation. Cut the TV off, put the phones down, and just talk to each other. And sometimes the life of the church, I think there's times we just need to talk to each other. Today's the day I think we need to talk to each other. I, I like preaching revivals. I always have. Because um, one of the things of preaching revivals is I always pick with the folks I preach revivals for. Like I told Matt Hall this a few weeks back when I preached for Matt. I said, Matt... If I leave here on Wednesday and you still got a job, I hadn't preached hard enough. Because when you preach revivals, you don't pull your punches. When you preach revival, I mean, you don't have to, you're not the pastor. You're the guest evangelist. And you can say what you want to say and then move on. And I'll leave it to Matt to clean up my mess. I mean, I'm your pastor. 
And I love being your pastor. Like, I, I like 95% of the stuff in ministry. Sometimes conference meetings can get a little long, but um, I love preaching. Don't, don't know if I'm any good at it, but I like doing it. Um, I, like, um, I like most leadership stuff. But the thing I enjoy the most about ministry is being a pastor. Like, I just like pastoring people. I just enjoy it. To me, that's life-giving. I've told the bishop that. When I'm with my people, to me, you know that great scene from Chariots of Fire where the guy says, when I run, I feel God's pleasure? That's how I feel when I'm your pastor. I just feel God's pleasure. It's what I enjoy doing. Um, So you know I love you. You know, I hope you know I love you. If you don't know that, know that I love you. But y'all, we're too busy. We're too busy. Part of it's school, working as parents. We have a lot of stuff going on. Part of it's work. I mean, we all have work responsibilities. Part of it's we just can't let people, it's status. We live in Madison. We can't, our, what people think of us matters, doesn't it? We can't let somebody be more successful than us or live in a nicer house than we do or be more busy than we are. It's a status thing. A lot of our business is what people think of us. We desire that human approval. We do. I mean, if I'm lying, I'm sorry, but I think that's the way it is sometimes. I know it's the way it is for me at least. You know, I don't want people to think I'm lazy, so I work hard. You know, so um, we're, we're busy. We're too busy. And sometimes that busyness bleeds over. You know, because we want the approval of other people. We want the status that that success and that business leads to. We want that. Sometimes that um, bleeds over to our spiritual life. Just like we're, we're um, so busy in our life trying to get other humans' approval. So we get busy, busy, busy to look successful, to be in the right places and all that. We, we, we crave that human approval, that status. Uh, that bleeds over to our faith sometimes, too. And we, we get really busy for God, hoping God will like us. Hoping God will approve of us. Ho- hoping the busier we are for God to make up for the stuff we're not doing. So I'll get really busy. And I'll do this for God so God will like me or God will approve me or God will love me. So we have this busyness in, in, our, in our life. We have this business in our faith. And we're just so busy. And we're so tired. And we're not happy. No, we're busy. We're successful. But we're not happy. Not happy at all. And we get so busy, we don't know if we're coming and going sometimes. I mean, I'll be honest with you, one of our greatest, you know, one of of the greatest struggles we have in the office is communication. Because we put something in the bulletin. We'll put it on an email, put it on Facebook, put it wherever. And folks say, well, I didn't know we were doing that. I'm like, guys, <laughs> what more can we do? But I get it because we're busy. Like, we're busy. I don't expect my wife to read the bulletin in church because I'm kind of busy. A little something I got to do called preach. She's got the kids or teaching Sunday school or singing the choir. It's not like she's sitting on twiddling her thumbs either. It's not like we aren't busy. But we're so busy, we don't breathe. We don't breathe in our home life. We don't breathe in church. And we're just not 
We know there's more because the business is not producing life. It's producing busyness. It's producing tiredness. It's producing irritability. It's producing discontent. It's not producing life. In, in the text we read today, um, that's Isaiah. Isaiah's a prophet. He's talking to the people. And what's fixing to happen is this, if you, if you, if you go back in the Bible. Um, Isaiah's prophesying to Babylon, I mean to Israel. And Babylon's fixing to come to town. And when Babylon comes to town, that's bad news. Babylon's going to come in, and they're fixing to whoop Israel. I mean Judah. They're fixing to whoop them. Good old-fashioned shellacking. They're going to tear down the temple. They're going to destroy the wall. They're going to just destroy Israel. They're going to destroy Jerusalem. They're going to destroy everything. And then what they're going to do, after they finish the destruction, is they're then going to take the people, particularly the young, back to Babylon. That's where Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and Ezekiel, and Daniel, all those things in the Old Testament, they all happened in Babylon because Babylon came to Jerusalem, destroyed it, destroyed the temple, left it desolate, took them back. Then Isaiah's prophesying and saying, but here's the thing, y'all, like you're going to come back home. It's going to be okay. God's going to come and restore and give life. And then you're going to have a lot of work to do. You're going to have a lot of work, a lot of stuff to do, a lot of work to do. But don't work for that which doesn't satisfy. And don't spend your your money and your labors on that which doesn't give life. You got a lot to do. But make sure your priorities are in the right place. Make sure your priorities are in the right place. The life of the church, August, is kind of New Year's. I always tell the staff, I said, if you're going to start something new, start it in August or January. Because that's New Year. New Year's literal New Year. But August is the start of the school year and the church New Year. Things get back to normal. We don't have Wednesday Night Live this week, but it'll be come back in a week or so. And so we're kind of getting back to our normal schedules after the summer. So that, that's New Year. August is. course of a year, you have 52 weeks. From August to August, you got 52 weeks. 52 weeks that are different from every week before. And once a week is gone, it's gone. You can't get it back. 52 weeks. Well, now we've got 51. One marble's gone. One week is gone. It's never coming back. How'd you use it? How'd you, how'd you use your marble? 
How'd you use your week? Did you labor on that which did not satisfy? And did you spend your money on that which was not life? Every week, the next 52 weeks, in our time of worship, we're taking a marble out. And we're going to reflect on how we use that week. Each week is a gift. Each day is a gift. How do we use it? I know we're busy, y'all. I know we're busy. Believe me, I know we're busy. But we got to prioritize. This month series is called Back to the Table. We're talking about coming back to the table in the family and coming back to the table of God. We find a Savior there waiting for us, but we've got to come back to the table because I don't know about in your families, but in our family, the table is kind of the centerpiece of our life. It's where me and the kids do homework. It's where we eat dinner together. Families, when was the last time you ate dinner together? And let me go from preaching to meddling. When was the last time you ate dinner together? Everybody put the phones down. When was the last time, families, you prayed together? You read the Bible together and prayed together. Preacher, I don't know how. That's what I'm here for. That's what we're here for. Like, literally, there's nothing in my life that makes me happier than helping you learn how to pray and read the Bible. There's nothing in my life that gives me more joy than helping you learn how to, as a family, be a little church. St. Augustine said, every family is a little church. Was last time, and I know you're busy, and I know at the end of the day you're tired, you don't even like each other. We don't like each other in the day. I get it. We're human. We're tired. We want to go to bed. But life is found at the table. We spend our money on that which does not satisfy. We spend our labors on that which does not fulfill. This year, will you come back to the table? Will you come back to the table as families? Will you prioritize your families? Because, y'all, everything in all the world is going to pull at your families. Everything. Success and temptation and struggles and trial and money and bills and mortgages and fame and Instagram likes and everything's going to pull at your family. And so often we, we are so much more focused on the approval of humanity and our worth is not found in God, but our worth is found by how many folks like our Facebook post. Our worth is found by how many Snapchat friends we have. Our worth is found by how much is on Instagram. Our worth is found about what people tell us. Instead of finding our worth in Jesus Christ, because the world will never give you life. Never. It will take and take and take and take and take and leave you empty. But Jesus Christ will give and give and give and give and give you life. But we got to seek him. Will you come back to the table? Will you come back to the table within your families?
Will you eat together? I know you can't do it every night, but will it become a priority for your family? Husbands and wives, when the last time you actually talked to each other? Not about the work, not about work or the kids, but just had a conversation with each other. I'm, I'm not saying it's easy, but nothing worth having ever is. When you come back to the table as a family, when you come back to the Lord's table, not just for a communion today, but will you prioritize the things of God? Because, y'all, everything's going to pull out your time. Oh, I'm fixing to go from preaching to meddling. Oh, please don't fire me, SPRC. We can create the best baseball players and softball players and cheerleaders and hunters and dancers and soccer players. But if they don't know Jesus, what have we accomplished? Is it safe? We can send our kids to Harvard. But if they don't know Jesus, what have we accomplished? Our Lord said it like this. What does it profit a man to gain the whole world but lose his soul? And I know in the South, oh, please don't fire me. Our God is football and baseball and basketball. Because that's what dictates our schedules. Oh, please don't leave the church because... I don't want you to because I love you. But we get so busy with things that are good. I love ball. Oh, I love ball. But I want my kids to love Jesus more. <laughs> I mean, I want my kids to love Jesus more than anything. Than anything. And the only way they're going to do that is if we... if. Not y'all, not y'all. If me and Holly prioritize our faith, the only way I can give my kids a shot of loving Jesus more than anything is if it's me and Holly prioritize our faith. If she and I prioritize, and frankly, sometimes they do a good job, and most times probably don't do a good enough job. I'm not going to lie to you about it. We've got to get better at it. Will you prioritize your faith this year? Will you prioritize worship? Will you prioritize, and not just here, y'all, listen. When you're in Oxford, go to Oxford University and make fun of Eddie Rester. Please, he needs it. When you're in Starfield, go to First Methodist and make fun of Giles. Tell him I said it's okay. Worship matters. Will you prioritize Sunday school? We've got to teach our kids and our adults the Bible. We've got to really know the Bible. Go back, to, go back to Matthew 4. When the devil tempted Jesus, you know how the devil first tempted him? He quoted the Bible to him. But Jesus truly knew the word, so he didn't fall for it. We've got to stop giving our kids just a little bitty fun-sized bite of God's word. We've got to give them the feast that God prepared for us. But y'all, that's not going to happen unless we prioritize it. Unless we prioritize it. It's the only way it happens. Unless we make it a priority.
We've got 51 marbles left. 51 marbles. What do we do with them? Let's pray.